0: You're listening to a Money on the Move weekly series, Flashback Fridays. We are bringing back our favorite episodes from the archives. Every Friday, I'll bring you a blast from our past. See a patient, the
1: first thing starts with a patient and provider interview where I ask you, questions where where is it hurting how is it hurting how much is it hurting how does it feel achy tight but when i ask those questions i feel like i want to feel what they're feeling have i felt that before how would it feel like because unless and until i can feel their pain and they communicate to me completely i don't understand i it's it's very hard to decide and design a plan of care because it's not a cookie cutter approach everybody is different And even to be able to tailor the manual treatment to a patient, listening to the patient, to be able to feel the pain they're feeling is very important. And also the manual treatment, I think. Using my hands, whichever body part I'm treating, whichever condition I'm treating, to be able to work through the muscles and
0: the joints, I need my hands. My hands and my toes. That was Bhalavi Shah. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, welcome, welcome back. Thanks for listening to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salaf. Mercury is definitely in retrograde. This episode was supposed to go up Monday, but I feel like I am moving backwards in slow motion. So my apologies. Hit me up on DM with your mercury retrograde story. I'm dying to hear all about it. On today's episode, I'm syncing up with top physical therapist and entrepreneur, Pallavi Shah. We are talking trigger point therapy, kinesio taping, hot stone therapy, and hands-on healing. V. shares how running, yoga, and cooking empower her for success. We talk about her inspiring family and parents and their yoga practice, which helped cure her father from rheumatoid arthritis, and more. Speaking of healing, I wanted to thank Marnie on the Move sponsors, Mad Ritual CBD. Their healing CBD balm has been a game changer for all of my aches and pains while training for running and triathlons. They are offering listeners fifteen percent off with our code MarnieOnTheMove on on their website Madritual.com. More about Madritual later. Paula Bishah is truly one of the best physical therapists I have worked with in all of my years of training in endurance sports. She currently practices at Orthology in Chelsea, which is where we met. I had just finished the TCS New York City Marathon. I spent about a month thinking about whether or not I should do physical therapy before I finally booked an appointment. Turns out, the injury had nothing to do with swimming or running. It was from my fur babies, Charlie and Thor, pulling me on the leash. I wasn't on the leash, they were. Now, thanks to Palabi and Orthology, my arm is 95% better, and I'm working on mobility and getting back in the pool. The entire team at Orthology was truly terrific, from the front desk to all of the therapists. Totally a seamless experience. I would definitely go back, but hope I never have to. Prior to practicing at Orthology, Pallavi successfully owned and grew Physical Therapy in Action, a highly rated PT practice based in Maryland. Throughout her 18-year physical therapy career, she has worked with elite athletes, political figures, and local communities across three countries and multiple states in the U.S., She has expertise in dry-needling, kinesio-taping, custom orthotics, TMJ rehab, vestibular rehab, spinal manipulation, myofascial release, pre- and post-natal rehab, and ergonomic rehab. Pallavi has been featured on CNN and Fox, where she spoke about preventing low back injuries. She's also a certified ergonomic assessment specialist and has helped companies like Coca-Cola in India and their employees to identify and modify any job tasks that have put them at risk of muscular skeletal injury. I hope you enjoy what you hear. Leave us a five-star review on Apple if you do. It's easy. Open your podcast app on your iPhone or iPad, scroll through, click on the five stars, and write a review. Tell us what you love about the podcast, what you like about your favorite episodes, and take a screenshot, share it with us, and email it to moneyonthemove1, the number one, at gmail.com. And you will be entered in a fun giveaway with products from several of our favorite brands and podcast partners. We will be selecting winners on March 15th, 2019. And last but not least, of course, follow Marnie on the Move on Instagram, Physical Therapy in Action on Facebook, Pallavi Shah on Instagram at mspt.pallavi. P-A-L-L-A-V-I, and Orthology on all of their social media platforms. Now, on to the episode. But before we get started, here's the scoop on Mad Ritual CBD. Today's episode is fueled by Mad Ritual CBD. Mad Ritual CBD has changed my recovery game in a really big way. Get ready to recover like a rebel with these awesome, high-quality, CBD-infused products Their CBD balm is off-the-charts amazing, and I'm not the only one that thinks so. Mad Ritual has 100-plus five-star reviews. The balms have five simple organic ingredients, coconut oil, shea butter, olive oil, plant wax, CBD, and different blends of essential oils. Personally, I prefer the eucalyptus and peppermint. They also offer a terrific CBD-infused total recovery supplement. Not just for athletes, the products are formulated to ease all of the aches and pains that come along with being an active human. So, if you are sore from life, Mad Ritual gets it. Founded by women athletes and active entrepreneurs, they are committed to helping active folks bring more balance to their lives. Mad Ritual is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 15% off. Head over to their website madritual.com and use the code Marnie on the Move. Now on to the episode. Thank you so much for being on the show today and that I'm also super thankful to you that I will be swimming again and doing triathlon this summer because you have completely healed my arm, my shoulder. I had like some minor form of tennis elbow. I mean, there was a lot going on. And this was all because of dog walking, because I have two adorable dogs who pull on the leash whenever they can. So thank you so much. I think the credit is
1: also yours, Marnie. You are so active. You are so self-involved with your fitness that it is amazing. It was an amazing experience to treat you as well, because you would do what I tell you to do. Right.
0: (laughs) I'm following directions. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. So that, that was a huge part of your success as well. And when you came to me, you had overlapping symptoms. You had some diagnosis, which you had tennis elbow, which is called lateral epicondylitis. You had bicycle tendonitis. But along with that, you had a lot of tightness in your neck muscles. Right. And what we call it, the trigger points in your neck, which was referring pain to your shoulder Along with the pain of biceps tendonitis. So working on that, releasing the tissues, and then strengthening
0: it, and then you taking active part in your recovery just made it all work. So you used a couple modalities on me while I was here in the past few months. We did trigger point therapy, you did some hot stone therapy, we also you did some kinesiology taping and lots of great exercise. So I've actually never done trigger point therapy, so I'm just curious like how it works, what it is. I know it's a form of soft tissue manipulation, and I've had myofascial massage before, but never trigger point.
1: Trigger points are a tight band of tissues within the muscle that could radiate pain away from where they are located. So you could have a trigger point in your neck or upper trap muscles, and it could radiate pain in your shoulder. So... It is painful while you're releasing a trigger point, but that is the only way to release the trigger point. And it's cycles of isolated pressure and release and along with doing a soft tissue manipulation that helps bring more blood to the area, helps improve healing, improves the tonicity of the muscle and gives a great release, a pain relief and also improves function later on.
0: So what are you doing when you're massaging the trigger point? Honestly, it's just push it. But you're, are you releasing the fascia? Or You're releasing the fascia. You're <laughs> yeah, releasing like, honestly, everything. You just it. You're just, yeah. It's, so what's happening inside the fascia that you are releasing? Like, is it just like a ball of tied up... Tissues and you're like pushing it to let it go. Or the way I explain it to my patients when I'm doing it, it's
1: like your muscle is like a is like a stretched out dough, you okay. know. And then you have knots in there that are causing you pain. What do you do when you have to release the knots in the dough? You push on it, you manipulate it, you rub it, and that's how you release that knot. Um, what's happening in the tissue is when you put pressure on it and then and you create a vacuum by putting pressure on it and you take the pressure off the blood flows into the area and the and the, the fascia straightened out
0: right cuz the fascia is basically like a gauze pad yes right in between your muscles and your bones and your tendons yes and so sometimes like, it gets all like tangled up yes and so the idea is part of trigger point therapy but also when you do like the myofascia
1: the fascia is is connecting all your organs joints muscles bones all together like like sometimes I tell I tell my patients did you remember the movie Lord of the Rings how Frodo was wrapped up in the spider's web that's how the fascia is inside like it's like just connecting everything it can get tight, it can bunched up. There are sometimes there could be micro tears because of certain, so certain contraction. Sometimes it could be inflammation due to repetitive stress, which ends up being a trigger point nodding up into a tight band of tissue. Right, And then it, it needs to be released manually.
0: And then do you feel like foam rolling helps with that as well? I mean, not at the level of trigger point, but...
1: Foam rolling helps with the improved blood circulation and the elasticity and tonicity of the tissues where you're foam rolling. Foam rolling is not a very specific trigger point release mechanism. Okay.
0: So really, I mean, can you do trigger point on yourself or not really? Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in my neck when I
1: sometimes reading a book to my daughter. I'm not in the best of the posture that I should be, but I have like a stiff neck in the morning and I find my trigger point and I put it on a slack or, or and then I just hold it for 30 to 90 seconds and let go and then
0: it helps. So sometimes if you have a knot or you feel, you can feel it like as a regular person, maybe not in PT, but... I know a lot of my listeners are athletes and fitness class goers just sort of feel like sometimes you have a knot or you're tight or you have tension, like you could press on it if you feel it and yeah. release the tension.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can. You'll feel a restriction. If you feel like something is there, try try to move your neck or, or arm and see where it's coming from. Try to track the source and you will be able to find, oh, that's where it's kind of coming from. Yeah. Well, and then,
0: so... Talk to me a little bit about tracking the source, because that's another thing that we that you kind of talked about when I was here, because my pain was moving and then some of it was referred pain. Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: You have to develop some kind of body awareness for it to be able to, okay my shoulder is hurting, try to move it where it's coming from, palpation, try to find where it's hurting, where it's hurting, where it's hurting dig your fingers into it and eventually you should be able to find something where the pain is coming from. Right. And you can hold that down for 30 to 90 seconds and then take the pressure off. And then you should feel some relief. That's great. I think that's super helpful for listeners, especially where you have a lot of tissue. Like if you're talking about neck or shoulder, or maybe a, maybe calf soreness, and you can palpate your calf. If you develop like a little a hamstring knot, like a spasm or a quad. So yeah, and usually definitely. it's the
0: fascia and the lack of blood flow getting into a certain area,
1: and the muscle muscle could be not in the muscle is also a trigger
0: point. Okay, yeah, great. The other thing that we did was I had asked you to put some kinesiology tape on my shoulder because I wanted to keep working out and I didn't really know how it worked, but I just know it works. So how does that work? And I also learned when I read your bio that that's, that's like one of your specialties. So the basic principle of the kinesio
1: tape and when, when, the, when the doctor kinesio uh, invented the tape back so many years ago his basic invention was to be able to simulate the human pressure so if you're hurting and if somebody puts pressure on you with your hand you feel better right away it's called pain gate theory, where the pressure and the pain goes the new same neural pathways in the brain so if you're putting pressure you're blocking the pain and then Blocking the pain could be helpful, breaking the vicious cycle of pain, guarding, not moving, pain, guarding, not moving. So if you take away the pain, then you're not guarding, you're able to move. And then that improves healing because you're moving and you're bringing more blood to the area. So when he created the tape, and if you look at the tape, there is like a finger webbing kind of uh, design in the tape. So the basic idea was to stick something which simulates human pressure. And now taping has evolved into where you can use tape to either facilitate a muscle or inhibit a muscle or just provide stability or support. So for you, we use taping on your shoulder, on your biceps to provide you more stability in the shoulder area because that was your very vulnerable area where you were feeling pain in the shoulder and feeling
0: weak. I remember when I was going through the injury, like I would have pain at night. Like I I would sleep and then i would wake up and my arm would just be in so much pain or i would wake up in the middle of the night but the tape really helped me yeah but i don't even i just i thought there was like no way through <laughs> i was like this is going to be awful i remember coming in here and thinking how am i going to swim in like february yeah oh, And you were like, don't worry, you'll be fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I did not know you were thinking about it too much. I thought you were cool about it.
0: I was cool, but but it was all built up. I mean, before I got here, I was worried about it, right? So Uh I think I came in like December. Yeah, but this had been going on for like a month. And I had been thinking about what my course of action was going to be, whether I go to physical therapy, and if this was real or in my mind. Because, you know, as, as a triathlete, you know, you suffer through many things and mm-hmm. they're not necessarily injuries. Like I've had plantar fasciitis for mm-hmm. a while and, you know, I know it's not going away. I know what I can do to make it go away and I'm just going to keep running because it doesn't hurt when I run, which right. I know all those things are wrong, but that's what I'm doing. It's gone. Knock on wood. Good. Yes. Very good. And I'm still running as just as much, but I think the arm injury, I really was in pain and I really... I started to get nervous. So that's why I made the call to come in. But yeah, I was thinking like, how am I going to swim again? You know, because you hear about overuse injuries from athletes who are swimmers and how they tear their rotator cuff and you know, that's where my mind goes, (laughs) I know, even though I don't,
1: we we tend to think the most complex diagnosis will belong to us. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's how
1: you move the moment. I mean, even as a PT, if I might, if I have ran and my ankle starts hurting or something, maybe it could be just a minor sprain because I twisted my ankle certain way. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, do am I going to have a stress fracture now?
0: Right, okay, so you're the it's same It's normal, way. Yeah. yeah, it's normal. Yeah, so, we tend to overthink our diagnosis. Okay, and so then talk to me about using heat and ice because I know that's also something that you do here that's really a big deal and super helpful, and I, I also kind of never really appreciated the value of those two things. Icing is great. I,
1: I think ice should be the first treatment that an, any athlete should do. Post an injury, it helps with inflammation, it helps with healing and improved blood circulation. Heat could be great. My take there, the research is inconclusive. There is a lot of debate on heat versus ice, where pro ice people would say ice is great because it flushes out the histamine. Pro heat people will say, well, ice is not so great because it does not help the collagen and the collagen freezes so but my take on heat and ice is first defense ice ice is easy to do dry heat with electrical heating pads is not so great so it's hard to have moist heat all the time you cannot jump into a shower for moist heat or take a steam bath
0: or have a hydrocollator like we have in physical therapy here
1: to be able to provide steam heat to the tissues.
0: And so the other thing that you did, speaking of heat, was hot stone therapy. So, And I know that's something that you're sort of bringing in here at Orthology.
1: Yeah, I haven't found a great hot stone, salt stone heater, but my take on it was to be able to make the trigger point therapy treatment a little more tolerable and more pleasant because trigger point therapy, it's because of the deep pressure where it's hurting, it could be very uncomfortable. Some patients cannot take it. They take it, but they do go through that phase of... It's an acquired taste, I think. <laughs> yes, it is. So my idea was like the heat from the stones will help decrease the, the perception of pain during the release.
0: So these were just a few of the modalities that you have in your toolkit. I know that you've been practicing physical therapy for over 18 years now. You had your own practice, and now you're here at Orthology. What was the trigger point that had you shift gears in your career? Well, after
1: having my practice for five years, physical therapy in action, I had my daughter, and I tried to have my practice and have my daughter and do justice to both of those for a year and a half. And then I said, I can only do one. And now I have this child who needs me. I need to part with my other child. And at that point, I parted from physical therapy in action. I sold it. And in fact, my husband also changed careers just to so that we have more family time. Right. And we moved to New York. I love working at orthology because I think it provides me a very comfortable environment to treat my patients, the administrative support, the clinical team support is great for me to be able to practice with uh, not being stressed about a lot of things that is not so favorable in other practices I have practiced before.
0: Right. Also, having your own business is a lot of work, as oh. we both know.
1: Oh, yeah, it is. It is so oh, much work. It needs you 24-7. All your energy, all your dedication, you are filling in for everybody. As a sole practice, solo practice owner, I was doing marketing, I was doing everything, treating, marketing, managing, everything, building. But I loved it. It was great to bring my ideas to life. It could as simple as bringing, creating a platform for patients to be able to provide their feedback, creating a feedback system, creating an employee recognition system, I loved it all, but it was a lot of work. I could not have been able to do both.
0: Well, orthology is amazing. I mean, I've, like I said, I've been to a few physical therapy places. I really have had such an amazing experience here, just in terms of everyone that works here from the second you walk in the door. So, yes. I mean, I could see why, as someone with all your experience and coming from having your own practice, would be comfortable here. It's just very professional. And everybody's really good at what they do.
1: Yeah, the energy is very positive. The moment you step in, the, our PRC staff, our team, it's yeah. it's just a super soft flow of energy. You're just flowing through it. You're yeah. not not hitting barriers, you're not not hitting any any negative behavior at any point. And and it just is very beautiful here.
0: Do you know how many there how many orthologies there are out there? I uh, know there's like three in the city, right?
1: I think there are four or five in the city. We have one in Sunnyside. We have one in Long Island as well. And then there are a lot of locations in Minnesota. Got it. What inspired you to get into physical therapy? Well, I don't have a very inspiring story. This but to me is the most
0: inspiring story.
1: Well, my mom said, "I want." we were three, my, my, me, my sister, and my brother. And then Where'd my brother came much later, but initially it was me and my sister. And with my mom was like... I want one child to be in medicine because if somebody gets sick, who is going to understand all the medicine and what to do? And then she said, she just planted that in my head and I I just lived through that dream of her. And I think I did not go wrong because I love it. That's amazing. So where did you grow up? I grew up in India,
0: North India, around Delhi and uh, UP. You did all your university in, in India and then in London?
1: Yeah, I did my bachelor's in, in Calcutta, India, and then I did my master's in Edinburgh from Queen Margaret University
0: College. Nice. And your parents are still there? In India, yes, in Mumbai. What are some of the modalities that you practice that has been around forever but is overlooked? When I see a patient, the first thing starts with
1: a patient and provider interview where I ask you questions. Where Where is it hurting? How is it hurting? How much is it hurting? how does it feel like achy tight and then when i ask those questions i feel like i want to feel what they're feeling i want to i want to to feel have i felt that before how would it feel like because unless and until i can feel their pain and they communicate to me completely i don't understand i it's it's very hard to decide and design a plan of care because it's not a cookie cutter approach everybody is different and even to be able to tailor the manual treatment to a patient, listening to the patient to be able to feel the pain they're feeling is very important. And also the manual treatment, I think, using my hands, yeah, whichever body part I'm treating, whichever condition I'm treating, to be able to work through the muscles and the joints, I need my hands
0: So your hands are your tools. My
1: hands are my tools. Yes. And that
0: is the most important sort of takeaway that you've gotten from all of your years. Yes. All these other things. Yes. Are nothing without your hands. Yes. There is
1: another evolving theory where providers are research and another way of practicing as to do not make patient dependent on your hands and make them independent, but I think they need hands.
0: Yeah. They need that release. It's healing. Yeah. It's healing. Yes. So you need that help. So hands help healing. That's, you know, makes me think about yoga. And Mm -hmm. I know that you are, you know, I know that, you know, as someone who is very successful, very busy between career and family and life in general, talk to me a little bit about your passion for yoga and where it began and how you also use yoga as part of your therapy. It started about
1: Ten or twelve years ago, my passion with yoga. My dad was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and he was on Tmarts and and load great steroids for years, and it was eating up his joints. And then he switched to a completely new lifestyle of doing yoga, and then he healed himself with yoga. And no steroids, no medication, and he is perfectly healthy. He does yoga, he does pranayama, he does ashtanga, and he does both of them, by mom and dad, the first thing in the morning, they roll out their mats. Both of them have pink mats. Um, even my dad has a pink mat. <laughs> That's cute. And then they start their, their practice with pranayama. They would do ujjayi breath. They will do kapalbharti, anulom, vilom, bhastrika, And then they get into ashtanga and asana. And then they end their routine with, with self-massage.
0: What did they do in their careers? Like, what were their, were they in physical therapy or doctors?
1: My dad is an engineer, electrical engineer. So he used to work for the electricity board. He worked all through his life for the electricity board and retired and my mom was was a homemaker with with three kids, and I think my dad was so busy with his work that she single handedly raised three kids in those times where where we didn't have dishwasher we didn't have washing machine the The traditional Indian way was to go out in the cold and wash clothes, and there was no like heater, like no centralized heating in the house, and then you're still keeping the kids warm with sweaters and 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 clothing. And you're cooking and you're cleaning and then you're taking care. And if they, they get sick, you're still taking care of them. And I'm like, I have one daughter. I have all those facilities that I can have. I have help. And then do I find it so hard? I don't know how my mom did it. She has to be a superhuman. She sounds like it. Yes. And then we were, when we were back there, we were in suburban India, rural slash suburban not much. She was educated, but not to the level where she could like really help teach us. But she worked so hard in getting us tuitions and making us study and inspiring us.
0: Oh, it was incredible. What she, she sounds amazing. Yeah, what she did was was out of the world. And so they live in Mumbai? Yes. She joined your dad in the yoga practice? Yes. And now they're practicing, you said like an hour and a half. Yes, at least minimum. two hours in the two morning, in- yes.
1: And then I've taught them their trigger point releases and therapy. Do it on each other or themselves. I think my their home in India, I have given them a wax machine. I have given them a tense machine, even an ultrasound. They're
0: doing their own therapy and yoga themselves. That's amazing. staying fit, yeah. That's really, really cool. And your dad has RA, which is amazing because, I mean, that is really serious. Yes. And you can't, I mean, a lot of people can't even like move their wrists. No. or anything. No,
1: he's fine. He That's did great. such
0: a great job. And so you got inspired from them to practice yes. yoga. Yes. So you didn't grow up practicing yoga.
1: I did. I mean, in India, you do a little bit, but not like a serious. Well, in, in India, in a middle class family, when you're growing up, the most important thing to do is your career. You yep. are studying. You need to get your grades. You need to get into the med school.
0: Your parents must be so proud of you.
1: Yes. they.
0: My mom says that you are the crown of my family. That's amazing. And so now do you get to see them a lot?
1: I get to see them once a year or once they come over. So sometimes they come over in summer for two, three months. And okay. then and then it's like, oh my God, they, re, they re-energize our lifestyle again. Because we get busy and I get involved with my patients and my daughter and this and that. And then they come morning
0: yoga time. Yeah. Start your morning with yoga. There is something about yoga that really resets you. Having a practice in yoga is just, it's like game changing for your life. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, When my mom comes over in summer, she'll wake me up on the weekends. uh, And then she'll be like, let's go on the, we live in the water in New Jersey. So she'll be like, let's go on the waterfront and let's do yoga there. And then I would go and carry my mat and just do the yoga in, in the when the
0: sun is just rising. It's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. And you practice Ashtanga too. Yes. Yeah. How has yoga empowered you throughout your career? I mean, obviously through healing, but how do you use that for your patients?
1: Well, sometimes a patient, if you look at a patient as a whole and not just an injury, say if they're coming for say, say plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendonitis and you look at them oh their calves are tight their hamstrings are tight their pelvis doesn't move and if I were to give them specific exercises for each of the the deficits that I'm seeing I'm I'll end up giving them 20 exercises versus I can give them two poses where I can give them a down dog which will help them stretch their calves Achilles hamstrings create awareness of the pelvic and tailbone and um, I can address so many things with just one pose. So I use yoga for my patients to be able to address the the deficits that I'm seeing.
0: And yoga also helps with
1: low back pain as well. Yes. Oh, yes, totally. So many. I mean, if, if we were to look at, at the exercise plans of so many of my patients, cat, cat cow, down dog. A chaturanga sequence for
0: my knee patients, warrior poses. It will be all common on their exercise sheets. I feel like having a yoga practice, especially if you are an athlete, is also like for. I think having a yoga practice for everyone is really helpful, even if you don't have an injury. I mean, yes. it just keeps you. It's called prehabilitation, right? Yes, you're yes. Not, like you are, if you are constantly practicing like one or two times a week, everything else you do is just your body is just conditioned so much better. Absolutely. And now you're also a runner. We share that in common. Uh And you were telling me the story about a really cool project that you did a couple years ago. So where did your love of running begin? Many years ago, even before my daughter was born, I participated
1: in a 5K with the Susan G. Komen race in D.C. And then I signed up for it. And that's where it started. My love and passion for running. And I did that. And after that, unfortunately, one of my, I did that and I was just getting in the groove of running and my, one of my cousins, she died of breast cancer. We grew up together. So it was a shock for me that she just passed away like that. And then some of that and some of me trying to raise some fitness awareness within my family, my husband, my, my, my Sister-in-law, my sister, for them to be able to make aware of like fitness is really important. Cardiovascular health is really important. Right. Mom and dad are teaching us yoga, but also cardiovascular health is important. So I started running and then for two years, I my slogan was 5k every day, excluding weekends. Um,
0: <laughs> excluding weekends.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or um, And then I did 5k every day for a few months and then... I switched to 20K a week. So for two years, I did at least 20K a week. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. How many pairs of sneakers did you go through? I think I changed my sneakers every 300 miles. So
0: every 10 weeks, I changed my sneakers. Are you a midfoot runner, a heel striker? And what kind of sneakers do you run in? I started with heel strike
1: running and I was I started to have a slight medial knee pain which I uh, corrected with a tiny bit of lift in my shoe because I do have a mild discrepancy between my leg lengths which went away but running with heel strike there was a lot of energy expenditure was happening and I was trying to shave off more time of my mileage I used to be at like eight minute a mile how so However hard I tried, I could not lower that down. And then I read about midfoot running and I started practicing it myself. I changed my shoes to to a more midfoot running friendly sneakers. It's a small company in California called Newton Running. Mm -hmm. They have uh, lugs at the midfoot to give you a prompt to land on your midfoot. So I started running midfoot which is a different style of running where you're landing on your midfoot and you are you are, you run with a forward trunk or bo- body lean. So you are not using your ankle muscles to push off and propel you forward,
0: but you're letting gravity let you... Pro- uh, pro- sort of like when you're running up a hill, like you lean into it. Yes. So the gravity helps you push forward.
1: Within a week or 10 days, I was at seven minute a mile. Wow, that
0: was amazing! Yes, and just by changing the sneakers helped you change your game. No, you have <laughs> okay, <laughs> to, yeah, not
1: just the sneakers. You have to mentally change it because by default, when even when I start running some days, by default, I I will be a heel striker, and I'm then a heel I have striker. to, and then I have to think, go back, go back to your midfoot, yeah. And Then I tell myself, lean forward, change my form, and then midfoot for a faster pace shorter strides, faster pace, shorter strides. And yes, and because uh, the midfoot you're landing on the midfoot, you're not landing so heavy. Right. You are definitely do not have that much shock going through your body when right. you're landing on your midfoot. And you think it's a much better way to run,
0: personally. Uh,
1: the research is inconclusive. Research uh, shows no evidence of this is better, that is better. But my take on is, my personal experience is, I think midfoot running is much better than a hill striker running.
0: What are some of the other things that you love about running and how it kind of helps you with your career and everything that you do? Oh my God, it is so
1: energizing. I When I run, I feel like I am, I, I feel on top of the world. I feel like I am uncapping my potential, my energy. I I listen to Bollywood when I run. So I'm like, I'm actually dancing. Right. In my head. Right. Maybe my body is running, but I think sometimes my running is also, you might just, if you ever see me running, my hands might be just doing a little Bollywood move as well while (laughs) I'm running.
0: Do you ever come home and just break out and dance? I think I've done that.
1: Yeah. I've done that. And then it's amazing. It uh, clears my mind. I mean, when I'm running, sometimes I'm running, my mind is dancing, my body is running. And then there is another part of my brain, which is, which is coming up with ideas, it could be doing some other kind of treatment on a patient or trying something new in practice or something about cooking. And it's amazing how stimulating
0: running is. Yeah, and you also love cooking. Is that something that you got for your mom?
1: Yes. In my family, the biggest thing is nutrition. It's like, it is so important. It, when my mom comes here and if she ever sees us, any of our family, my brother or sister, being busy at work and not eating right, then it's like, what are you working for if you're not eating right? So it's, it is that important. So it's the priority. The first thing when I wake up in the morning, I go in the kitchen and I make fresh meals for everybody all of us every morning every morning yeah in my culture we do not eat food from the day before so every morning fresh lunch fresh dinner fresh breakfast
0: and are you guys also are you vegan vegetarian 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 okay. so yeah so, so and what I do love you have for breakfast cooking. today i did
1: it's like a millet crisps uh-huh. uh with avocado and olive oil
0: on it on top of it for breakfast. You made that this morning yes. before our podcast. Yes. Wow. Yeah. What are some of your favorite types of cuisine to, to cook?
1: Um, I cook everything. I, I give a little twist to my Indian cooking. I cook Mexican. I cook Italian. I cook Asian food. Everything. Everything. I mean, if you see my Instagram, there would be a lot of food. Yeah.
0: So how does that set you up for success in your business?
1: I think nutrition overall is important. Like what yeah. you're giving to your body is going to reflect in so many things. It's going to reflect in your physical performance. It's going to reflect in your mental performance. So cooking fresh, eating healthy, I think it, it's the
0: most important thing to do. You can also, from nutrition, if you're hydrated and you're eating the right foods, it helps with injury prevention as well. Yes, it it totally does. Yes. So just back to running, what are some of the common injuries that you see from running that could easily be avoided? Well, the most common injury with the running uh, is could be knee and
1: ankle injuries, which could be, for the knee, it could be an IT band syndrome or a, a patellofemoral pain syndrome. For ankle, it could be Achilles tendinitis, plantar fasciitis, uh, or shin splints. I think A proper warm-up and uh, stretching routine before your workout is important to avoid injuries.
0: So like dynamic stretching? Well,
1: I think dynamic stretching combined with like an aerobic warm-up And some element of static stretching is is a combination of all three of the modalities works the best. Mm -hmm. Research is inconclusive again in terms of which kind of stretching is better or worse. But dynamic stretching is where you're not holding a stretch, but you're taking the joint and, and, and the limb through the whole range of motion. So you're able to you're able to feel a lot more looser holistically in your body after a dynamic stretch. Versus in a static stretch, you are holding a muscle to stretch it to its extreme where you feel a localized relief or a localized stretch reflex. So I think it should be a combination of all those. And also warm-up is very important. You don't want to stretch a muscle which is just sitting cold in there you're just coming out into work after sleep or waking up you want to warm up a little bit and then stretch
0: so sometimes like when i go out on a long run i'll actually just run a mile Uh and then i'll do my dynamic stretching and then i'll start my run so that's just like my warm up just to get my body moving. And then I sort of do some yes. dynamic stretching. Yes, that is great. Yeah. But the other thing is just practicing yoga or Pilates even. I mean, something that's like,
1: yes, not before training. you run, but just yeah. in general. Yes. Like in you your need week. to strength train to be able to run. Strength train. You just yeah. cannot run, 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 run and be injury free. Yeah, You need to cross train. You need to do other things to be able to support your running
0: and staying fit and healthy. It's not just running or yoga and nutrition. I mean, I know that you've been taking a lot of fitness classes. And I know as somebody who takes a lot of these classes that you really have to bring a certain level of awareness when you go and you take these classes, you know, since we're on the topic of injury and staying injury free. What are your thoughts on how listeners who are avid fitness class goers can really bring that awareness to stay injury free?
1: I think always whenever you are doing a hit class where you are jumping from one exercise from a squat pulse to an ab crunch and from an ab crunch to a plank, you just want to take a moment and be aware of your form before you start doing the wraps and pumping up the wraps because if you're not set right, it will lead to an injury and, an, and a, even a small injury can put you out for at least two to three weeks and then... It's a vicious cycle of not working out and being injured. To listen to your body, to be aware of your form in that moment is very important.
0: I think that makes sense for everything you do in life, even opening a car door. I probably should have been doing more strength training and then I wouldn't have ended up here in the first place. But then, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you really need to, in general, like just have an awareness around all of your movement. Yeah, I was taking classes in the neighborhood
1: and I was like, oh my God, being a PT, I need to struggle, be so much aware to be, not get injured. I don't know how all these people are doing it. I was looking at some of the people, the form not right, and I'm like, huh.
0: Is that hard for you? Like, yes. as a PT, you just naturally see it? Yes.
1: I was like, what is this guy doing? He's yeah. He's just yeah. kicking so hard and then pumping so hard and i'm like it could really hurt you later on yeah i mean i was saying in my head and i'm like hope not but i yeah. could see injury happening yeah.
0: that's why i just like moving in that fast in a forward direction <laughs> yeah although in the pool you know but yeah well this has been really awesome thank you for being on the podcast thank you so much marnie you're so amazing. Much fun. thanks again for tuning in to marnie on the move if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at MarnieOnTheMove on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and MarnieSalop Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, marnieonthemove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals,